overlooked pop culture. You are listening to the next report. And welcome to the latest episode of the podcast where we cover Unix and overlooked pop culture. Um, on this episode, we have me, Thomas, and Stephen Tompkins. There we go. Um, Stephen Kelly should be available next week. So that we were kicking around a topic idea or two in our minds and felt that it'd be best to have all three of us there for it. So we'll see what happens next week. In the meantime, uh, for those of you who are, you know, remembering the last time we talked about projects that we're involving ourselves in this year, um, I just got involved in another project because I need to add to my resume anyway. I'm now writing for MuckToWear.com again, and I already have an article, an editorial regarding uh, the FCC's recent rulings regarding Verizon and the FCC, so uh, that's available. That'll be linked in the show notes later, but one of the things that we're talking about project-wise, um, Raspberry Pi came up, and I figured that would be a good topic for today's show because that's an example of innovation that has so many possibilities in such a small package. Um, how did you... When did you first hear about this, and what made you decide to invest in one? Um, well, I, I'm not sure exactly when I heard about it, but uh, I... I believe I was studying in Sedalia at the time, or or this was oh no, this was just just as I uh, transferred over to UCM, and uh, and working with uh, programming and doing various things, and after building my computer that I had built, I uh, heard some stuff online, and I've I've been getting into Linux more and more over the various years, and. One of the things that I mentioned that was mentioned on the site when I was reading some news articles was the Raspberry Pi, and I'm like, "What's this?" <laughs> so I tracked down the link, look at it, and it turns out it's a $35 computer that is cheap enough that anybody can buy. Now, granted, it comes with just the board, but uh, when I found out about it, I did some more research, looked at the specs. And it's it's really an amazing piece of hardware for as as inexpensive as it is. This is this is an ARM-based system. It has an ARM uh, CPUs are known for really good battery life. They're not they're not the most powerful chips in the world, but they don't have to be for what they are used for. Um, let's see, you you put together a list of specs, and it's Broadcom system on a chip, ARM version 6, 700 megahertz, though it can be overclocked to about 1 gigahertz by editing a text file. Which will not void the warranty if you go all the way to 1 gigahertz. If you decide to go any farther, uh, the Raspberry Pi Foundation set basically says, no, we're not going to help you. We're not going to help you after that, so it voids your warranty. But you can go all the way to 1 gigahertz. And the video core four that's Broadcom, they, it operates at a clock speed of 250 megahertz. 
Uh, the GPU supports OpenGL ES 2.0 and has you know, 24 gigaflops a second. MPEG 2 and BC1 hardware decoding. And you have the Model B, so you have 512 megs of RAM to work with here. Yep, and um, with, uh, in that same text file that you can edit to overclock it, there's an option where you can set it to dynamically allocate memory for the GPU and then standard memory for all your other applications and everything else that the Pi is going to do. You can set it to do it dynamically, which will split it up accordingly. If you ended up needing more video RAM, if you're playing a video game and it needs to load a little bit more, it'll just dynamically lo uh, change it as you're going. Or you can split it however you want to. Like, say you want to say 16 megs toward the video RAM and then the rest towards the uh, uh, standard RAM, you just type that into the file. And there's, there's, it's got commentation, uh, comments on the file that tell you the syntax and how you need to do it. But, uh, I've had mine running in dynamic lately and it, it works perfectly. Um, I know, and I noticed that, you know, the SD card, the max, apparently supports its 32 gigabyte SD cards, but the good news is um, there's a USB 2.0 port on Model A, and Model B has like two of them, so if you're wanting a USB hard drive, well, you can do that, and you can even, with the GPIO pins, you can add additional hardware to it if you wanted to. Um, some people have added webcam module to it. Yeah, I actually have, I have an art, I had pulled up an article it was one that is actually on the Raspberry Pi Foundation's website where this guy decided to make a wooden tablet that he fabricated himself. Um, and it's it's got he got some pieces of carbon fiber and then a screen to put into there, and he bought a camera a camera hookup and everything else. And basically, a lot of this hardware. He also has an internal battery, which is actually a backup battery for a phone that you can buy that are usually like $100 or so. He has that inside the tablet itself to use to recharge it and run off of it. So it's actually wireless. Technically, it's wireless. It's actually hooked up inside the tablet, but uh, it's, it's a way of powering the thing, and then you can plug it in outside of it, too, to recharge that battery and also run off of the power from the wall. So there, there's all kinds of innovation. There's even people creating other portable devices from this thing, um, setting up servers, media centers, even even the original purpose, which was learning how to program with it, and Python being the official supported language of it. And I'm guessing there's some good reasons why they chose that one as opposed to others. <laughs> Well, speaking from a programmer standpoint, um, I, I don't know much about Python. I've been experimenting in the, in, over the break, but school started now, so I've got to focus on other things. But uh, the syntax isn't too difficult. I mean, it's not like uh, if you wanted to, like, say, program something for Linux or if you want to get really delve into Linux, that's a pretty heavy, hefty learning curve because... Uh, the C programming language, which is what the um, Linux kernel and 90% of Linux distributions are built on, is very hardware-specific, even though it is one, uh, one of the many high-level programming languages, with Python included. 
Python, Java, C Sharp, right. the, whole, the whole nine yards. It's the most difficult to learn. But Python is one of those ones if you if you want something to do as a hobby or in your spare time and you want to learn something new, Python is one of those they consider you can learn in a month. And it's it's kind of a flexible thing. It's good enough for beginners, but you can delve into advanced stuff with the two and then branch out from there into more advanced um, more complicated languages as well, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, and like some other languages, I'm not sure exactly the details, but I know, like, from Java, you can you can run a program through Java if you want, if you had something written, like if you needed something powerful, speedy, that didn't require much, um, uh, much of your hardware or much uh, resources, you can write something in the C language and then execute that from a Java program if you want your Java program to be... It's simpler to run. It's um, just right. it'll run on most devices. If you wanted it to run something that needs something to be quick, you could write it in C, or and you can do the same thing with Python, execute another program through Python. I just don't know the details on that one. We're, we're a library. You wrap something into a library, and it calls upon that particular library for specific functions and, and things of that nature. I... I, I initially started college to as a for computer information systems and then I rediscovered why I didn't do much programming. I can do it. I just don't have the patience for it. Especially when I try <laughs> to compile the code. Something's wrong, it's not working, or it compiles but doesn't run as expected, and I have to go back and and see if it was something stupid like a comma in the wrong spot or or I didn't define something clearly enough to where everything functions like it's supposed to. And and the guy who was the direct one of the big, big people in that department, you know, kept encouraging me, encouraging me. It's like, look, you know, even if you're not that great at programming, it's still a good field to get into. You can be a middle manager or something like that. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I know. No, because I don't want to be the guy that sits in the office at four in the morning after ordering pizza or something and and trying my best to encourage software developers to resolve an issue that a client's having with a program that they're using and yeah, no. I I'd rather not put myself into that kind of situation. So I, so it I, so it excites me to see projects like this. I wish something like this would have existed when I was like growing up. Because, yeah, you had your Sinclairs, you had your, you had your uh, Alt Nets Altairs, eighty eight hundreds, and things like that. But those were limited in what they could do. <laughs> yeah, the um, you can compare this. I guess I've never had the opportunity to experience any of the previous hardware. Some of the things that you're mentioning. Uh, one of the popular things, like. Um, if you've ever seen the movie The Avengers and you watched any of the uh, deleted scenes, in one of the scenes, um, uh, the Hulk's character, um, I forgot his name. Bruce Banner? Banner, yes. Bruce Banner mentions to one of the um, shipmates that's on the, the big flying ship, 
she's trying to escort him back to his office. And she's she's like, oh, we got all the all the new tools. And he's like, well, do you even have a Commodore 64? <laughs> and most kids these days don't know what a Commodore 64 is, myself included. I've seen some pictures, but I guess you could compare this to that, this right. Raspberry Pi to that in terms of uh, popularity. So the Commodore 64, the modern era, were except it's like really small. You, you buy it, you just get the board. If you want a case, there there are manufacturers that make little plastic pieces or cases, or there's instructions on how to build your own. And which one do you have? I actually have a case that's uh, manufactured by Adafruit Industries. It actually has the uh, logo on it. What it is, it's a, it's basically a modular case where it has um, six total pieces uh, with the ends being fabricated to accommodate the network port, the USB ports, the SD card, and the power port. And then the sides have cutouts for the HDMI port, the audio port, and the composite RCA. And there's also a little slit which you can route cables through to plug into your GPIO ports. And if you wanted to, you can remove the top piece, being as it's modular, you can completely take it apart and put it back together. You can remove the top piece for, like, if you want better airflow, or if you want easier access to your GPIO ports to add more hardware or whatever. It's And I believe the case itself was a little less than $10. It's not very expensive at all. So, like, so basically you're paying maybe 50 bucks for the whole whole thing if you're adding something like that to to it. And then from there, you can, either, you can plug it into virtually any TV, um, either ones that are modern today or even, even old-school television, which is why that RCA port is on there as well. So that, that sounds exciting. Um, what all have you done with it so far? Well, um, some of the things I've done with it, mostly it is serving as my media center PC, which is attached to my 39-inch Emerson TV that I have at home. And when I first got it, I hooked it up and I installed Raspbian because that was the recommended operating system install when you first try it out. So I was like, okay, I'll give this a try. It's my first time. I might as well start off easy anyway. Right. And... It's not bad. I like Raspbian. Uh, Raspbian. It's nice. It's uh, the default desktop is LXDE, which is very lightweight, which will accommodate the hardware that you're running on the Raspberry Pi. Um, it has the Mindori web browser, which runs on, I believe, it's WebKit. It Don't is. quote me on that, but okay, it is. So it's it functions much similar to Google Chrome or Safari without a lot of the overhead, and. And you can install anything that's in the Debian repositories, provided that it's been compiled for the ARM architecture, which most everything has been. It's been. I don't think there's anything that they're having problems with any lately, except for new and upcoming software. But so you can install an Office Suite on here, or is that been compiled for that? Yes, you can install a full Office Suite. Okay. I believe it's Open Office. It's the one that's in the Debian repositories for it. Okay, Open Office, not LibreOffice. It it, um, it may be supported too. You might I'm I'd have to look that up to be sure. Okay. So either way, full office suite. I, I do know that initially that they were going to be 
they were playing around with Ubuntu, and then they moved away from it. Yeah, Ubuntu's not supported only because of the ARM architecture. Originally, older versions of Ubuntu would run on ARM version 6 and below processors, but uh, in the latest from, I believe it is uh, 11.10 and above, have no longer supported that, and they only support ARM version 7 processors and up, which you can get, like, the uh, Texas Instruments Beagle Board, which is, like, $50, 60 $70. It's twice as, as expensive, but it's an ARM version 7 processor, and you can run Ubuntu if you wanted. So, so basically, they, which is the main reason why they had to move away from it, they, were, they experimented with, like, 910, if memory serves, and then they went with something else, but it, I, I remember reading this as proof of concept, and I saw this, and I was like, this is pretty neat. And then I kept seeing this thing actually take off, and I was like, wow. And I've, I've been tempted to possibly invest in one down the road. I'm, I'm still not sure if I will or not, but even if I don't, it, it's... It's pretty neat to see low-powered devices like that basically changing the game. I can imagine OEMs starting to pop up in the near future with these things and say, hey, uh, and targeting the right audience saying, hey, why spend hundreds of dollars on a computer when you can just have a fully functioning system that does your letter writing, your email, your web, and you can hook it up to your television. The, 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 the main obstacle, of course, would be Adobe's Flash. Yeah, uh, Flash isn't a supported anymore. Flash has been changing in the last couple years. Uh, they used to be supported on earlier versions of Solaris, but if you look in, in the last year and a half, uh, they've slowly gotten rid of that from uh, Adobe version, uh, Flash version 10. 10 point whatever is the last supported 10 edition was the only one that was supported for um, most Linux distributions and Solaris, but now you can you can download Flash for some Linux distributions, but uh, I don't believe it's supported on straight Debian. And and on the ARM architecture, no less. Yeah. Either. Because like Google has you know support for Flash, but that's because they use a different plug-in interface for it now, um, Pepper API instead uh, of the other ones, which which people have argued, you know, people need to move away from what Mozilla was using for plug-in interface because of the security vulnerabilities involved with it. But it, it remains to be seen what will happen. Um, pe- people are wondering, well, well, because Flash is not going to go away. And I don't see it going away. Good news is Chrome devices that are on ARM, um, Flash is packaged by default in those because, well, that's, well, YouTube and such will still work on that um, and everything else. So well, that little, that remains to be seen what will happen, but it'll, it'll definitely be interesting um, what occurs there. So... You've had media centers running on this thing. Have you done any coding on this? Uh, no, I haven't. I 
primarily do all my coding on my desktop, and I've done it a little bit on my tablet, which I'm using right now. Um, I'd like to, and then my initial, my final goal for this is for it to be not only my media center PC, but also to be able to switch between XBMC, which is a great interface for your media center, and a, a standard desktop. So I can switch between, like, if I have it hooked up to my TV and I'm sitting there relaxing, I want to watch Wild Hogs or whatever video I want to watch at the time, I can pop it in, just right. watch it. And then if I feel like programming or doing homework, I can switch over and do that on a full desktop. But at the moment, I have a, don't have a big enough SD card along with complications of installing XBMC by itself. Which is a whole different story. <laughs> this isn't straightforward, is it? You have to you have to do all sorts of steps. I'm assuming for for that install. Yeah, it's um. That's mostly the reason why they bundled it. There's people that make distributions like RaspBMC, which is XBMC that runs on top of Raspbian by default and boots straight to XBMC. And there's also um. OpenELEC, which is what I have running on it right now, which boots straight to a desktop, or straight to XBMC, rather. Right. And um, some of the processes that it's needed to do if you want to run it in Debian, it's it's real, real hard because it's not supported in Debian by default. You have to download the packages from XBMC's site and install everything and set up everything, which is a lot of configuration changes that need to be made and so on and so forth. It's, it's just a very difficult process. Do you think, do you see the Raspberry Pi Foundation going to newer versions of the ARM architecture, or do you think they're going to stay with what keeps it below $40 at this point? I, I have a feeling they'll probably stick with something that'll keep it below $40, but in the near future, I have a feeling some of these newer versions of like, the ARM version 7 architecture, or an ARM 8, is what's being used in, if you're familiar with Samsung's Xenos processor, the big little implementation, which has, like, you can have, like, two or four multiple cores of right. one type architecture and then the same amount of another architecture to make an 8-core processor, but it switches between the two simultaneously. And one's ARM uh, version 15, the other one's ARM version 8 or 7 for power reasons. So, I think probably within a couple of years we might see a newer Raspberry Pi public with maybe maybe even a gig of RAM. But it's it's not going to be very soon. It's like, what I'm seeing now is the possibilities of people coming out of the woodwork with all kinds of ideas, and it's kind of opened the door to a whole new market for affordable computing and everything else. And, and again, Adobe Flash being one of the few obstacles, unless HTML5 continues to mature the way it has, and I've noticed that too, to the point where something can run on a canvas like it's a native application. Because, like, on my Chromebook, I've got a couple of note or text editing applications. And they pop up in their own separate window instead of a browser tab. 
and I noticed that, and I was like, wow, so this, so this might be able to be used in offline mode, to where if I don't have access to the internet, I can still pop this thing open, edit some text, save it to the internal storage or onto a USB drive, and then sync it later with Google Drive when I get access again. Um, I'm, I'm seeing this as a strong possibility. Now, do you know if there's any attempts to do Chromium OS on Raspberry Pis at, at this time, or no? I, I'm not sure. I might actually have to look that up myself. I know I I personally have... I wanted. I originally wanted to get a Chromebook, but I went with a tablet instead, uh, mostly because I was trying to avoid the ARM architecture. I want the performance of an x86 processor, even though I highly respect the Chromebook. I have a lot of respect for the Chromebook because Google has done a great job. Google and Samsung both, especially with the Samsung Chromebook. Right. The Samsung Xenos processor is crazy for the ARM architecture. But I have experimented with Chromium, uh, a build of Chromium. If you Google online uh, Chromium OS, one of the first few links you'll have is a website done by a, a intern at Google who's built multiple different versions of the Chromium operating system. And I've screwed around with a virtual machine of that. But I don't think I've seen any implementations of that on the Raspberry Pi. I have seen some versions of older versions of Android being run on the Raspberry Pi, which can be um, uh, a bit of a bit of trouble, but... Um, and it's not officially supported by the Raspberry Pi Foundation. So you can't download an image from them. You have to get right. builds elsewhere online. Are you mentioning Hexa for Chromium OS? Yes. That, does that, that sounded familiar. I did a quick search on that. And it's basically vanilla. What's vanilla? Well, uh, bleeding edge, apparently. So sort of like the desktop I'm running right now is apparently bleeding edge, and I'm kind of, I can't put the Catalyst drivers on this desktop because of that at the <laughs> moment, because there's some things that I'd have to do that I, I don't want to have to recompile source code or anything like that, or or do all this other stuff and throw a beta driver on there. I'm not doing that right now, but it, it, it is what it is. So absolutely. Um... Are you going to set up a server, um, experiment with plugging in USB-based storage, or anything like that? I may I may move to some USB storage with it eventually. I have an external hard drive that I would like to use to back up to my Raspberry Pi, back up from my desktop, my tablet, or my fiance's computer, whatever, and use that as backups as long along with the media center, and then eventually the switch between a media center and a desktop. Um, I don't think I'll plan to use it as a server. I do want to get my own server eventually to host my website, but I don't think the Raspberry Pi has quite enough power for that at the moment with everything else I want to do with it. <laughs> I think that might kill it. <laughs> well, possibly. Um, are you going to run any other distributions on it besides any Debian-based distributions? Um, I may try to experiment with Arch again, because I've experimented with Arch in the in the past, and I've 
actually wrecked a device because of it, so that has steered me clear from it. But uh, Arch is officially supported by the Raspberry Pi Foundation, along with Fedora, uh, Fedora which is uh, a Pi remix of Fedora. It's, it's not the latest build of Fedora, and it has, um, I believe it's either LXDE or an old version of GNOME that's running as the desktop, but I'm not sure. Um, and I can't remember any other officially supported distributions that are not Debian-based. But I know Gen 2, if you're crazy about building your own operating system from scratch, Gen 2 has an image that you can download where you can download a pre-built kernel so you don't have to worry about compiling a kernel for three days on your Raspberry Pi. <laughs> so you can install the base system and install your kernel and then build your programs from there. Um, I, I, I've been sorely tempted to torture myself by installing Gentoo on the Reason Breeze 3110, which was their original Breeze, which was when the Intel Atom first came out, just to see how long it would take to just to um, compile the kernel. I, I would imagine it would be about the same or even longer, depending. Well, it, it, it highly depends on uh, that. Well, you first have to take into account the Raspberry Pi is an ARM architecture, and then there's a reason breeze. It's an Intel Atom, so it's x86. And I'm assuming your Atom is probably clocked o a little over 1 gigahertz somewhere. One six one point six gigahertz. It's I don't think it's even dual core, but it does. It has some hyper threading capabilities, and that's about it. That that's very similar to the um, uh, uh, netbook that I had. It had a, has an Intel Atom. It was a mobile version instead of a desktop version. Which there's really not too much of a difference between the two, other than power consumption. And the, the compile time on it was. Um, rather lengthy, but it won't... It, it's not as long as it would be on the Pi. I've never experimented with it on the Pi, and I'm not sure I want to torture that device with that. So... <laughs> Colonel Panic, I give up. Too hard. <laughs> Herp derp, and then it just breaks. Yeah, um, I want to avoid that. <laughs> absolutely so. Um, we'll have pictures of this device online, and and I, of course, mentioned Chromebooks. That's a portable device, low power consumption. Um, I may acquire more Chrome OS-related devices from different architectures, because they have ones primarily with Intel architectures. This Samsung Chromebook is kind of a rarity in a sense that it's one of the few that's on... ARM architecture. Practically everything else is Intel all the way. So um, I'm waiting for ASUS to come out with that desktop, all-in-one desktop of Chrome OS with Chrome OS on it too. So that'll be interesting. And that's on Mucktware. What I'll be specializing in is Chrome-based devices because you and I were having a conversation. You were seeing this taken off in the near future too. And that's going to have a certain company in Redmond, Washington, a little bit worried hmm. in the near future too. So, this things are going to get very interesting in the mobile space and even in the desktop space. So, I think that just about wraps it up for this episode. Entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. 
Our website is thenextreport.com, where you find latest updates on our website, podcast, and more. Also, um, check out muckedware.com. That's where you'll also find me on occasion writing. Um, I wrote about net neutrality a little bit ago, and the next one involved Chrome OS, options for writing text and everything else. Steve's Stephen Kelly's website, American View of British Science for those Doctor Who fans and other British science fiction shows, books, and more. And Stephen Tompkins, you are on Tumblr now, correct? Yeah, I, I just created my Tumblr account today. Um, so far, the only thing that's on there is just pictures of the Raspberry Pi. But I will be adding, I may add some pictures of my desktop. I'll rip that thing apart, show off some of the hardware, talk about my hardware a little bit. We might even do that on the show if we decide to do that. And uh, I'll add some more stuff related to that on Tumblr. Just just beware of um, two words on Tumblr, because it makes me cringe every time I see it. Social justice. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they mean well, but they tend to take it a little too far sometimes. Uh, go out there, enjoy the sunshine, something. Anyway, we will, we will get with all of you next week. Um, call us at 660-474-0345. If you want to leave feedback, just leave us a message, and you very well could be on the next episode of the show. Until then, peace. <laughs>